0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome, Alec Jaffe, to the show from Alex Ice Cream. Alec, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Good. I just finished watching your 2009 Laguna Beach High School mini-pack <laughs> highlights. So, <laughs> fired up, ready to go. I'm fired up. I'm ready for the interview. I, you know, went down the rabbit hole. Fabulous as the highlight theme song, which those so I played college football too, and those who don't know Picking the song for your highlight reel in like 2008, 2009, that was a
1: big deal. <laughs> oh yeah, that was everything. That that, was, that wasn't something you just did willy-nilly. You had to be really considered on which song you picked.
0: Yeah, yep. And like, how are you going to get that song? Definitely legally. We all definitely got our music <laughs> legally. It was, it was
1: licensed. 100%, got the streaming rights and everything. Yeah.
0: And when we put that up on YouTube, we definitely checked the copyright box and knew what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> no i went through that and i was laughing because i was like i have all the same stuff right and i go "Oh, okay yeah i remember that time frame vividly trying to pick the song and end up spending two days to pick an eminem song it's Oof. only one i could download right um, <laughs> cool i want to hear your story you know going from college you end up going to you know duca then you go to usc and then study business there. Walk me through kind of your journey then to saying, okay, I'm going to like ice cream. You know, how did this all come to be? Walk me through that journey.
1: Yeah. The college football player to ice cream maker is the classic path that everyone follows. So I've been making ice cream since I was a little kid. Taught myself how to make ice cream in elementary school for a class project. Also grew up around family members, very involved in sustainable agriculture and food systems. And so Fast forward to after college, I'm working in tech at a startup The startups winding down and thinking about what I want to do next with my life. And just felt like there wasn't an ice cream company that was making amazing ice cream and also talking about sustainability. Felt like, why doesn't that exist? You see that in every other category in the grocery store, there's products that are better for the planet, are better for you, and they taste amazing too. And ice cream really hadn't gone there yet. And so I just started making ice cream at home, friends and family. One thing led to another. It seemed like this could be a good idea to start a business. And yeah, (laughs) that led me to here.
0: I love it. I think too, that's that age and everything with like, I don't know how much this like has impacted you, but it's definitely impacted me with playing sport where I'm like, oh, see it, make a game plan, do it. I'm going to action. Like I just have to action. I got to go. I don't, I'll figure it out. If I mess up, I can correct was there a lot of that, like, almost a, like cattle prod, so to speak, in your back? I kind of feel that sometimes. I'm like, all right, just go. Make a decision. That's it. Did, did that kind of, uh, that mentality, I guess, from football cross over into, uh, into building the business?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it gives you this mentality of like, oh, I can do it. If I set my mind to it, set a plan up and put the work in, I'll accomplish it and get it done. And It gives you this sense of urgency to just want to go. And so I think that was definitely a big part of what pushed me to do something as crazy as this. And yeah, I think that that urgency is both a good and a bad thing. You really have to work on being patient and understanding that this takes time. And it's not like a sports game where there's a clear winner and loser, like you either did good or you did bad. There's so much more gray area in it. But it has been very interesting seeing how my experiences as an athlete have transferred over to now my business life.
0: Yeah, it's wild, right? If you go back and think like, oh, just how much can be done seeing maybe how like if somebody comes in as a freshman and then four years later, they're an absolute tank and you're like, oh yeah, they went to the gym every day and they were crazy. And it's like, oh yeah, that if I do that in my business and if I go in and put the work in every day, I might come out four years later in a better position. I definitely kind of take that mindset. And then two, I'm with you on the, am I being decisive or impulsive? And trying to, kind of have that counterweight to really make sure that I'm being methodical, right? Because that's something that's so easy to get impatient and then maybe slip up or do something. But it's not, like you said, it's not a game. It's not like, oh, we just reset next week. Now we're playing with, we have people's livelihoods, we have staff, we have vendors, we have to pay so many different factors that go in that it's that it's no longer a game, right? It's like that heightened, heightened level. So talk to me a little bit about that now and like where the company is so you you know you started it you said okay i'm going to do this sustainable ice cream give us kind of the current you know status of the business and Uh where you guys are located and you know retailers etc and then i think that'll give a good kind of view for the listener or viewer
1: yeah so we're based in petaluma california in sonoma county one thing that's really unique about us is we actually have our own ice cream factory where we make the ice cream ourselves. We are the first certified regenerative organic and A2 dairy ice cream. Um, So what that means is we are using regenerative organic ingredients that are better for the planet uh, and also gut-friendly A2 dairy so that for people with dairy sensitivities can often enjoy our ice cream comfortably. And It's a super premium indulgent delicious ice cream we just launched in sprouts and natural grocers and are found in natural retailers across the country and have some more big launches planned for this year as well
0: i love it and definitely we don't get too many people on the show who go the route of their own manufacturing so which i love that that you went that way but i have a couple questions about one that. for someone who's listening they're going to start a company or they have how capital intensive if you can talk you know give me like a specific sure. number but was that like when you looked at it and said, okay, like wh- what are we talking to get you know, your own manufacturing up and running from a starting point? And did you have to take a big gulp of water after you saw that number?
1: Our situation is very unique and very lucky in that we found an already installed ice cream factory shut down and available for sale from an ice cream company that was closing down and trying to sell off all their assets. So, And the factory was small enough for a startup, but big enough to scale it was a very, very unique situation. You're not going to find that too often. And ice cream is also particularly just intensive as far as the amount of equipment that you need, because you need to have a dairy processing line to make the ice cream mix. And that requires pasteurizer, homogenizer, or different pieces of equipment. And then you have the whole packing side of the line where you're actually turning that fluid dairy mixture into flavored ice cream and packed and frozen and all that. So there's quite a bit of equipment involved. So, I mean... I know the company that was in there before us had spent, I think, a couple million dollars building it out and we didn't spend nearly as much on that moving in. So, you know, it can range and it really depends on how much you're trying to do. But I would say at least a few hundred thousand in equipment if you're looking at doing something where you're maybe leasing a partial space and putting in a few pieces of equipment. But always save money for repairs, too. That equipment's going (laughs) to break way sooner than you think it will.
0: <laughs> that's just a rule for business. Like something's going to go left. I'm always just like, I'm at this point now where I'm like, add 30% to any cost that we exactly. get. I get a projection. I'm like, yeah, okay, 30. 30% is like my new minimum of that's where we're going to start. Um, yeah. So I loved it. your own manufacturing, you found that's an amazing coincidence or the opportunity yep. to just find that exact kind of outfitted place. But now you're there and you have you know, a lot of CPG founders and, and companies, they have the co-packer and they're kind of like, oh, the shipping and everyone's gets done by somebody else. I don't really got to worry about it. I go check on them. But, you know, now you have these different facets of the business from a sales distribution standpoint. You know, you could lead the team, set the vision, all of that. You have manufacturing, you also have fundraising. How do you, one, how do you split your time amongst uh-huh. those? And then two, are you using any, entrepreneurial operating system or any kind of like thing along those lines that you've um, leaned into and really adopted as an org
1: yeah my time because we're in fundraising mode right now and I feel like as a founder when when you CEO founder when you're in fundraising mode it just feels like dominates all of your time but I would say that honestly a lot of my time is dealing with operations and manufacturing and just you know we have a team in the plant who is handling everything but just it does take up a pretty good bit of time um you know it's not just putting in a PO to a co-packer and making sure that they they get it done and then there's a i'd say probably like 60% on operations and all the business stuff and then 40% on sales and then fundraising just kind of completely throws that whole equation out the window um and messes everything up and yeah, as far as company-wise, we've actually yeah started to do the entrepreneur oper- the EOS uh, system. That's been helpful, just helping to set kind of a cadence on how we meet as a team, and I, I feel like has been been pretty useful.
0: Yeah, and for anyone listening, if you're at that stage and you feel like you're you know doing a million things, that definitely look up one of like the EOS or Clockwork or something that. Just at least gives you the guardrails and framework to go. Okay, this is how I think I should be spending my time and delegating and meeting and and setting expectations. Next, I want to talk a little bit about. I know you said that you're going to be expanding to a lot more retail locations and going from 500 to 1500 or so. Yep. Now, on the surface, it's like, well, one, that's amazing, but. Now I always feel like, okay, now there's the next part of that is like ensuring velocity and repos, right? How do you, I guess, deal with the stress or make the decision to go, okay, you know, yeah, we're expanding at the right rate or what day, you know, is it just data? Is it, is it having the right team, right? Partners, like walk me through a little bit of that decision-making. And I only say that because I've seen both ways where somebody did like a nationwide rollout of Walmart and couldn't move any units. And it was like, oh, we've burned the Walmart bridge now.
1: Right. Yes.
0: So I'm very, I'm just intrigued on that, how you handle that.
1: Yeah. I think the first piece of it is retailer fit and expanding with the right retail partners to where you feel like, okay, this is a store and a shopper base that fits my product. And for us, that's within the natural channel. And so we're being really focused on growing within natural retail before we start to expand into conventional channels you know i think sometimes there's a feeling of oh i need to get into conventional right away or i want to get into target or walmart or whatever it may be because there's a ton of stores there and so it's you know you do the start doing the math and you're like okay if i could get into all the thousands of these stores and i sell however many units a week that's going to equal X amount of revenue. And that's going to be great for the business. And it is great for the business if you can accomplish that. But I think there's a lot of value in being patient, building that following somewhat organically by cadencing your distribution and your channel fit. And so, you know, that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And then making sure you have both budgeting for trade spend, because you're going to need to do promotions and things like that. I mean, especially for us in a category like ice cream is a very promotion heavy category. It's just a requirement to do, to have like a pretty serious trade budget. And then doing whatever other programs you need to do to support those retail placements, it adds up quick.
0: Yeah. Where do you all fit DTC, you know, as a priority? I've seen some companies where they're like, yeah, we have it. It's 10% of our revenue line and other companies where we're like, are all in on it, you know? Yeah, I got my opinions on DTC, but I'm, yeah. uh, I'm interested to hear kind of where y'all have slotted that with regards to a growth channel, both on the site and can people order through Amazon or no?
1: Not yet. We just do DTC through our website. It's not a huge priority for us shipping ice cream is very expensive and very difficult. And there's a lot of spoilage and failed deliveries. And, you know, just because with ice cream, it's such a temperature sensitive product that if there are any shipping delays, which over the past few years, there have been with quite a few shipping delays and disruptions to the whole delivery system through the pandemic and everything so you know it's something that we do it's more expensive to order on our website than typically than what you would find in store just because we have to deal with dry ice and the cooler and just there's a lot of handling that goes into shipping ice cream so we have it you know if you want to go to the website and order i'd I'd love for you to do so but um you know i'd much rather someone go into a store and pick up sometimes than order from the website
0: i'm a Big believer that certain products have a great DTC opportunity. Other products where they're part of the family grocery shop, kind of, I'm like, okay, if that's just part of the thing I'm buying every two weeks when I go to, you know, the grocery store, all right, I'm not going to go then home and go to a different website to order something. I also think about the creation of a super fan and your cost to get somebody to try something through DTC and then they might not like it or they might. And then you look at what are, okay, what's your cost to acquire there versus sampling outside of, I don't know, Dodger Stadium on a hot day. And your <laughs> cost might go way down, but people are trying it and you might get four or five super fans out of the, you know, 200 you try let try it or whatever. Right, So it's always interesting to kind of weigh those because I feel like two and a half, three years ago, there was the DTC competition within, you know, CPG and everybody was just like ego was fueling so much. be like we have to grow that channel we have to grow that channel but really that those tried tested and true methods through on-premise retail are the real growth levers you know
1: yeah i mean i I sometimes i like to say that we're like a pretty old school and almost boring (laughs) company from a strategy standpoint and tactics and things that we're doing i mean we're, we're trying to you know be as innovative as possible within those tactics but like at their core of what they are they're all stuff that people have been doing for a long time, but it works. And especially when you're selling in a retail environment, you know, these things work.
0: Oh yeah. It's like that point. Now let say you're going to use an influencer or something is like, I would pay an influencer to be like, I want you to walk into that retailer and just show yourself buying it at the retailer. Like, you know, give people that experience. Right. Don't just show you me making a Sunday or something in your kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. But Like, let's go show people where it is on the shelf so that it cues maybe next time they're there or when they're on the way there, you know, that video, I'm going to get that today.
1: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So that's awesome. Y'all are going through pretty exciting, pretty big growth phase. I think there's something there to say that a takeaway that kind of ties back into football, but like the fundamentals are like 80, 90% of it. And if you do the boring, quote unquote, boring things, but just do the fundamentals really well. Then you can sprinkle on all the other stuff around it, but really exactly. including like, on the, the big stuff and the big wins, you know, will be the things that push the company forward.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I mean, do the little things right, then the rest of the stuff will typically work itself out. Awesome.
0: Alec, thank you so much for your time today. For anybody who wants to learn more about Alex Ice Cream or connect with you online, where should they head?
1: I would say, you know, head to on social. We're always at Alex Ice Cream. Check us out there, check us out on our website, alexIceCream.com. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Beautiful. I will put links to both of those in the show notes page, so you can go get yourself uh, some ice cream and
1: favorite flavor. Ooh, I think. I mean, we we just came out with a new one: peanut butter fudge honeycomb. That sounds That sprouts. Good. Check it out; it's pretty great.
0: And then my last question is: How do you stop yourself from eating ice cream every day? So <laughs> <would you laughs> we had a guy on. We had a guy from Wingstop on, oh, oh, and yeah. he's like, his wife had to limit his Wingstop. <laughs> No, I'm very, I mean, that's the last question on this one is how, yeah. How do you not have it every day or do you? I
1: yeah. I mean, I eat a, I eat a fair bit. I eat a fair amount of ice cream, I would say, you know, I think not to turn your fun question into like a more serious answer, but you know, I think there's a big thing to be said around and like why we designed the product where we did is like, I believe in mindful eating and indulgence and you should be able to. Have a great treat snack dessert whatever it may be but feel satiated by it mm-hmm. um and feel like okay i got myself and i'm good to go throughout my day and so that's something that you know we want people to eat our ice cream and then still feel like they got you know their craving and feel amazing afterwards so you know, I eat a little bit, but you know, i just enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> love it. <laughs> thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on the show today, man. Appreciate yeah. No
1: it. problem. Thank you.
0: All right, cheers. Thanks. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. This is mind your marketing and I will catch you next episode.